Great morning, everyone, and welcome to Thank God for Monday. I'm Brother Greg Cellini of the Franciscan Brothers of Brooklyn and Seton Hall University class in 1985. My great pleasure to be back with you today. The purpose of Thank God for Monday is to inspire you, our audience, to take personal responsibility for your professional satisfaction. We want to provide you hope, healing, and peace in these unprecedented, turbulent, uncertain times. Motivate you to search deep inside yourself in the quest for fulfillment. Listeners, it's really up to you as how to utilize the information we provide today. Take full accountability for the decisions you make and the resulting outcomes. Now, one of the goals of our show, thank God, for Monday is to introduce role models. Role models of people who take very bold steps in their work lives. And as such, we are honored today to have with us a most special guest. Her name is Mary Gellarmino. Mary is an award-winning retired executive who went from clerk to senior vice president during a stellar 43-year banking career. Mary also has been a professor at multiple colleges and an executive in residence for business and entrepreneurship. Great morning and welcome to Thank God for Monday, Mary. Thank you, Brother Greg. It's really a pleasure to be here. Ah, the honor is all ours, certainly. We only have 30 minutes, sorry to say, Mary, so if it's okay with you, we're going to jump right into the deep end of the pool. Yes. Let's learn a little bit about you first. From what city are you speaking today? Well, if you can't tell by my accent, I'm from Brooklyn, New York, born and bred and still reside in Brooklyn. Ah, terrific. Now, we're curious. You mentioned you're speaking from Brooklyn. Did you grow up actually in Brooklyn? And where did you obtain your primary and secondary education? Yes, I was born in Brooklyn. My uh, grammar school education was in Brooklyn, uh, St. Francis Xavier Grammar School. And my high school was in Brooklyn also, John Jay High School. Wow. Two great schools, no doubt about that. Now, upon graduating high school, you had a decision to make whether you would further your education or enter the workforce. Which avenue did you take, Mary? Well, I never thought about a college education. Uh, basically, I was never really good academic student. And my family did not have the financial means uh, to really send me, uh, send me to college. And basically, my goal was to graduate high school and to get a job. It was always about getting a job to help support and serve my family. And I also had a, an unexpected event in my senior year in high school. I unexpectedly lost my father from a heart attack. Oh. And that even gave me a greater purpose driven to get a job, the privilege of having a job, and really to serve and support my family. So I, I never even thought about college. Wow, what an amazing story there. And it's interesting because if I proceed correctly, then did you, right after you graduate the high school, did you go and start in the banking industry at that time? Yes, I did. And I, the job came about by accident. I was looking for a job in Manhattan, 
And I was up by Rockefeller Center, and I saw this wonderful building. I didn't have an idea what it was. And I went in, and I pressed a button called personnel, and I asked if they had a job. And they looked at me, and they said, you have an appointment. And I said, no, but this building is exciting. It's exciting. I would love to have the job. And they said, well, it looks like you have no appointment, so we can't see you. And as I was being escorted out, a woman passes by and said, what's going on here? So she said, well, this young lady made a mistake in getting off the elevator here. <laughs> and I turned around to the lady and I said, this building is so exciting. I would love to have a job here. I just graduated high school. I was so enthusiastic about being in the building. She says to me, well, why don't you come back in four hours? Maybe we have something for you. So across the street was St. Patrick's Cathedral. And then back at the main altar, St. Patrick's Cathedral, there is the Shrine of Our Blessed Mother. And my mother has always been very devoted to the Blessed Mother. And I went there and I prayed. And I said, please, Blessed Mother, help me get a job. My father just passed on. We need money in the family. Please help me. And I went back four hours later. And the woman says to me, we have a job for you. It was called, it wasn't even a clerk. I was a messenger. And she said, you can start tomorrow. I was so excited. And what this messenger job was all about, I started the next day. I was below the first floor of the bank, pushing a cart to deliver files to all the executives as they were running the meetings. And that's how my banking career started. Initially, it wasn't even on the first floor. It was on the floor below the first floor. And I was a messenger. But I was so excited to have this job. Oh, Mary, what an amazing story. No doubt about that. And then we're very curious, how long did you do this initial job? Maybe you can share with us about a couple of more positions you had initially in the banking industry there. Well, I was doing the job about three months. And I've asked my supervisor, this is very exciting. And I realized it was a bank. I said, can I learn more about it? And they said, yeah, we can send you to a bank operating school. It was called the American Institute of Banking. And it was a, it was the course that taught you how to be a branch manager, do some consumer lending. And it was for three years. And I was so excited. They said I can go and they were paying for it that after the first year of starting this with American Institute of Banking, they promoted me to the first floor. And no promotion in my career of 42 three years was as exciting as that first one because after being for a year in the basement so to speak with no light when they brought me up to the first floor of the branch and they said you're going to be a teller my first words out of my mouth was how exciting look at all the light on this floor (laughs) (laughs) little was I to know that it was to be a, a light to a pathway I didn't even know what a career was but all I knew I arrived and I saw the light. And that was my second job. I was a teller. And then when I graduated the American Institute of Banking, they promoted me to be an assistant branch manager. And at that point, I was really interested in learning more and getting an education that I asked my employer again, would you support me to go to college? And they said, well, of course, if you can get into college, we'll support you. So I applied to NYU And you can't imagine how I felt. They turned me down. They said it was not college material because in high school, I did not have an academic diploma. I had a commercial diploma. Uh. So you can imagine the shock on my face at 23 years old 
and said, I, I'm rejected. And they said, well, what do I need to do? I said, become college material. They said, you have to go to college prep to learn the language and the math. So what I did for the next four years, I went to college prep at NYU to learn a language and a math, and then NYU accepted me as a student. And I continued for another eight years to do my undergraduate. And my employer was playing all the way through for my education. And because they were were paying so much for my education, they started to promote me. I became a branch manager, and that's the first time I became a team leader. And it was a privilege, but I never felt like a leader. I felt like a servant. I really was a servant leader. And was so, I felt so responsible for a team, for, for their success. So I really never felt I was working for them. My team members never worked for me. And it's been that way through my career. Even when I was eventually promoted up to be senior vice president, in fact, I remember when they gave me that title, I said, you know, I feel very anxious about this. And they said, why are you promoted to a senior vice president? I said, because turn it up side down. SVP means I just became a greatest servant vice president and have responsibility for more people. Oh, Mary. Also, just let me add on a bit, Greg. Hey. After that, NYU came to me when I was finishing my four years in college, yeah, college prep and eight years undergrad. And they said, you know, you did well. So would you consider going for an MBA? And I says, oh, I really wasn't thinking about it. But I went back and I asked my employer and they said, sure, Mary, we will continue to pay for you. <laughs> and meaning that when you do an MBA at night, because I was coming from NYU's undergraduate school, they would, they took some of the credit. So I did it another three years at night. Oh. So at this point, I'm in school, I guess, close to 17 years at night. And then after all was said and done, my bank wanted to send me to a leadership college to learn to become really a leader in banking. It was called the Estonia Graduate School of Banking. I said to myself, gee, I don't know if I'm ready. I'm taxed out after 20 years of being in school at night. Sure. But when the opportunity came, they put my name in, in the hat. I was selected and I went for another three years. Oh, my goodness gracious. So I guess 23 years at night, as I was moving along in what I come now to understand was a career. But nothing has really changed in those 43 years when I look back on it. It was a privilege to serve. It was a privilege to have a job. It was a privilege to serve. And I always felt I was a servant leader. I worked for the people. The people never worked for me. I worked for the clients. I worked for my team members. I worked for the communities. It's a privilege to serve. This is really something, Mary, because you go from not being college material to getting all of this education and just flourishing and proving yourself in the classroom and on the job. Now, if we can back up just a second, because your story is just so wonderfully unique. And as you say, your first year was in the basement. I'm assuming there was no or few windows there. You probably didn't know what the weather was like there or anything like that. And then you can come up and be a teller. And I've had career experts. Uh, as you know, I'm in the career center here at St. Francis College. I've had career experts tell me that to become a teller is one of the best positions that a college student, either part-time or full-time, can get because it really has a lot of transferable skills. You're dealing with money. You're dealing with processes and procedures. You're dealing with people. 
Would you agree with that, Mary G, that a teller role is something you would suggest for today's college students? Yes, I would, Greg. I've learned more in that first year because when you're a teller and you have lines out the door, you don't have time to think. You've got to count the money and you have to honor their request. They want to exchange money. They want to deposit money. It constantly is is on the go and you're dealing with money. And at the end of the night, a teller needs to prove. And if you give out the wrong amount of money or if you don't count it right, then it's an error. If you have a couple of errors, you're out of a job. It's very intense. Well, it must be. And uh, as you know, I'm an old baby boomer and I don't use any of these modern computers or technologies for my banking. So uh, once a month to cash our stipend check and I go right to the bank and I see the lines that are at sometimes at HSBC where I go or Chase or some of these other banks, even when I pass through. And it's a lot of pressure on these tellers, uh, no doubt about it. They do an amazing, amazing job. Now, speaking of amazing, 43-year career in banking. And you told us about many of your positions, but I'd like to focus now just a bit, if we can peel the onion a bit more, on these leadership positions. Senior vice president, what were you responsible for, Mary, in this type of key role? Well, it's interesting. At this point, I evolved from the teller to the platform to consumer lending. And now I was being put on the lending side of the bank, where I'm actually responsible to lend money to companies. And, you know, going back 25 years ago, that was a very prestigious part of the bank to be in because you're lending money and you really can make a difference in communities and businesses. And your reputation is on the line. Hopefully, when you're recommending that loan and fighting for that loan, you get paid back because if you don't, you're out of the job. Wow. What? So it's it's a high-pressure job. It's a job that has a lot, a lot of risk to it because you're lending money and you have to get it back. So at the point of becoming you know, a senior vice president, I now became a corporate leader. And the servant leadership role evolved also into another role for me. It was always about serving the people and serving the clients in the community. But now I'm looking at businesses in low-income areas. And I'm responsible to say, should I recommend them for money? And if I do in these low-income areas, and if it's right, think about the economic and social impact we can have in these communities. I really start to feel like I was a corporate missionary being out there to help these businesses, fighting for their loans. And if we get it right, the businesses succeed, they grow, they create jobs. And you know what it's like to create jobs in low-income areas? People get better quality of livings, more businesses open up. And it was, I, I really felt like I had a role of a corporate missionary to help build these communities. Mary, Mary, you're so far ahead of your time because now... We hear so much about diversity, inequity, inclusion, equality, equal access to funding, which, as you say, is so critical, can turn around a community. You were doing this 10 and 20 and 30 years ago. How did you have a sense of how important access to funding would be for some of these underserved communities? You know, Greg, coming from a low-income community myself uh when i 
started to go into these communities more. Now I'm a corporate vice president. I'm not living in these communities. But I was went back to them. And you know what I saw, Greg? My parents worked in these businesses. And I'm saying it would have been wonderful if my parents had somebody to go fight for these companies that they're working in. So they can have better working conditions, better benefits. It was almost like it was, again, it was a purpose-driven. I actually walked these neighborhoods, and I saw my parents working in them. And I said to myself, this is an opportunity to really help the community, help the people. Wow. Now, I have to say, Mary, if you don't mind, there are some individuals, and I'm not condemning or condoning this, certainly, but who rise from clerk to senior vice president, and they forget where they have come from. It seems like just the antithesis with you, you not only remembered where you came from, but you went out of your way to help individuals, as you say, who reminded you of your parents, and you knew the struggles that they had, and you wanted to really make a difference for these type individuals. What an amazing person you are, Mary. And again, so far ahead of your time, so futuristic, because again, now uh, we hear so much more about this. But uh, when you were a senior vice president and doing this kind of work, uh, again, uh, this was very futuristic and uh, very landmark on your end, no doubt about that. Listeners, for anyone who's just tuned in, welcome to Thank God for Monday. We're the weekly talk show about the workplace here on WSOU. 89.5 FM locally, streamed around the world at www.wsou.net. I'm Brother Greg from the class of 85. Much, much more important than me today. We've got a most special guest. Her name is Mary Gellarmino. Mary is an award-winning retired executive who went from clerk to senior vice president during a stellar 43-year banking career. She's also been a professor at multiple colleges, an executive in residence for business and entrepreneurship. And we've been talking all about her amazing 43-year career. It's very difficult in a half hour to try to concisely capture this. But one of the things that Mary's just shared is that she went from clerk to senior vice president. In her role as senior vice president, she made sure she went into the less affluent communities make sure they'd have access for money so that they can build businesses, create more jobs. And the irony is that these individuals that she dealt with and was lending money to really reminded her of her family. And that was extra motivation for her uh, to really get these funds to where they were needed. Now, one of the things you just mentioned before a little bit, Mary, is that you described yourself as a corporate missionary. If I proceed, can you peel the onion a little bit more and share just a little bit more, especially if people are just tuning in? What is a corporate missionary, sir? Well, let's think about, first of all, in my mind, what does a missionary do? A missionary goes into areas that need economic and social relief. And being in banking and going into some of the lower, less affluent areas, I've seen, you know, businesses that needed some support so they can grow economically and socially. 
You grow a business, you create jobs. That means more people in that community will have jobs. They will have an income. They will have benefits. And communities start to grow through job creation. I saw a role that as a missionary and given my job of lending money to help build these companies, these small businesses, I can really help build a community both economically and socially. Oh, that is really, really amazing. I spent 30 years, you may know, in the corporate world as a uh, CPA in big pharmaceuticals. I've been in uh, St. Francis College in higher ed for the last 11 years. I never heard of this phrase, corporate missionary, but you are a role model of it and have described it so well. Now, earlier this month, because November uh, is actually National Entrepreneurship Month, uh, we feature at least one, maybe even two entrepreneurs. But you, Mary, being in corporate banking, you were not an entrepreneur, but what you term an intrapreneur. Tell us all about intrapreneur and entrepreneurship, please. So first of all, entrepreneurship and intrapreneurship, it's all about having a mindset to create something that can make a difference and add value. The difference between an entrepreneur, E-N-T-R-A, is that an entrepreneur will put their own money in to start their own business to create something of value that can make a difference. Many entrepreneurs start out to be entrepreneurs before they decide to go out and start their own business because they like to acquire a little bit of capital and more experience of being into, into the business world. But most of us will be entrepreneurs. And it, what an entrepreneur is, is that we don't work for ourselves. We work for someone else and we get a paycheck. But in order to move along in, in the business world, we need to have that creative mindset. And let me give you an example about what a creative mindset is. Please. And by taking, creating something new in corporate, you're taking your risk by trying to move it forward okay because there's policies and procedures and people will say that we haven't we've done it this way for many years and it's better and and we're not going to change but if you really believe it okay we move forward let me give you an example of this in fact two examples of it one is that let's think about minimum wage minimum wage is a big topic today how about the corporations that move forward to that change the minimum wage policy, that somebody within the corporation steps up and says, you know, we have, we need to have more ability to have people live better. So why do we make a recommendation as a management major, as a personnel major, to implement the minimum wage? Well, I'm sure that hit a lot of resistance. It's still hitting a lot of resistance today. But, but congratulations to the entrepreneur who is coming up with something creative a minimum wage in a corporation to make life better, to make oh. a difference for the employees. Let me give another one, uh, Greg, because this today, those, the, the entrepreneurs are the ones that need to step out and take the risk and the ones that will get promoted. Because in, in corporate America today, you just can't stay status quo because you will fall behind if you do. In corporate America today, apps, let's talk about online banking. Let's, let's talk about 
let's let's do our banking online from our computers. Who would ever think of such a thing? Wow. But hats off to that entrepreneur who went to their management and said, you know something? We should develop an IT process where people can do online banking. And guess what? We have it today. But imagine the risk that these people took going forward this online banking. Who would ever want to do online banking? Who would ever want an ATM machine? Who would want an ATM with 20 different languages on it? Oh, my goodness gracious. Who would want... Let's let's go further than online banking. How about if you have an app right now and we can take money out of your checking account and pay for your Starbucks coffee? Oh, absolutely amazing. You're exactly right. So it was the courageous intrapreneurs uh, making this happen, and no doubt about it. Now, Mary G, speaking of courageous and adding value, uh, the last 30 years, my late father worked in the banking industry for Chase Manhattan Bank for 45 years, from 1929 to 1974. And so I've always had a soft spot in my heart for the banking industry. I have followed it in the last 30 years in particular. There's been a lot of consolidation. Now, I know in my own career, it was very difficult to survive mergers and acquisition. Uh, many people didn't survive even one of them. I survived a couple, but then was let go in 2006. But you survived eight, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, nine, six, nine, seven, eight mergers and acquisitions. How in the world did you do this, Mary G? This was like a, uh, a Houdini act, if you will. Well, first let me say, those of us that are left behind, it's also painful. Mm. Now, maybe it's painful losing your job, but you're working with somebody side by side for 10 years and you go in the next day and they're just, their job's eliminated. And you walk in, you see a lot of empty desks and yet you are still the survivor. How painful is that to see? Wow. So I just want to preface saying it's not easy for those of us that are left behind either, but still we have a calling. You know, we have an opportunity for a job and to make a difference and to make things better, and and it's an opportunity to serve. And quite frankly, Greg, sometimes it's a bit of luck. Wow. You know, what do you say if uh, an organization just wants to come in and close the department down? It has nothing to do with how good your skill set is or anything else. They just decide to, you know, divest themselves of a certain business, yeah. and you're out of a job. So that's what I mean. It's a bit of luck. I was in areas where they never divested the business. And even though there was downsizing, right-sizing, re-engineering going on around me, I always felt I'm here and I need to do the best I can to serve every day. You said a mouthful there, Mary, that all we can do is do the very best and make the greatest contribution we can every day and let the chips fall when they may. Exactly. Sorry to say time is getting short. We've only got a few minutes left, believe it or not, but I still have a couple of important questions for you. Now, is it true I've understood, Mary, that while still working during this great 43-year career, you actually started teaching. Is this true? And if so, tell us a little bit more, please. Uh, Greg, after being in school 23 years at night, <laughs> I, I always felt I wanted to come from the chair to the front of the room to give hope and to be facilitated now just some of the experience I've had of going through what they are going through now. That uh, it was 
I, I felt like they were on a journey that I already traveled. And I oh, wanted wow. to come back and help them get through this journey. And because education can make a big difference in your life, it certainly did with mine. So uh, it was, again, it's like a calling. I wanted to go back and give experience that I've gotten for those who are going through it now to be a facilitator of their knowledge and inspire them to keep on going at it. And I was going to help them any which way I can, Greg, as an educator. Oh, talking about a beautiful Franciscan, Mary, that is just so big hearted of you. Now, if I understand the chronology correctly, about four years ago, you retired to become an executive in residence, uh, right, with us here at St. Francis College in Brooklyn. But before you came here, I never heard of the term executive in residence, and maybe our loyal listeners are not totally familiar with this as well. What is an executive in residence? How did this work? Well, for different universities, it has uh, maybe a different meaning. But for St. Francis, what it was, an executive in residence, the role is to bridge relationships from the outside world and bridge them to the students. After 43 years in banking, I mean, I developed a lot of relationships with businesses, accountants, law firms, non-for-profits. And you'd be surprised, Greg, how people really do want to come in and give back and meet the students. So the executive in residence has these relationships. So it's all about relationships, asking them, would you come in and maybe give a lecture to the students? Maybe you can be mentored to some of them. Maybe you can give some internships to some of them. And the executive in residence role is to bridge the outside world companies to the students. Oh, how valuable that is. I've seen that firsthand with you. We've saved a very, very important question for the last one, Mary, because rightly so, all this tremendous work, all this giving of yourself in such a Franciscan way, we understand you've been rightly honored by a few organizations. Share a bit or two about one or two of the organizations that you've received honors from. Well, I was certainly honored by the Brooklyn Chamber of Commerce. I actually served on their board of directors for 15 years. And and basically, the, the role of the board of director is to help direct new programs that can help businesses. And the Brooklyn Chamber of Commerce does a wonderful, wonderful job of providing a lot of resources to small businesses, networking events, you know, pro bono services for legal and accounting services. So it, I was thrilled to be on that board again it was helping small businesses and helping businesses using your time and talent to help the businesses and so that was one uh honorary the second one is hard chair human services i served on their board and i was also honored by them for about 14 years and their mission was to help developing developmentally challenged individuals and you know and and, and getting getting them skills. And that was so heartwarming because now from the business, I'm really going right down to the individuals. Oh. So those are two, you know, that I, certainly, that I can certainly speak to. There's been others, but I think this is enough. <laughs> oh, Mary Jo, we could spend another hour talking about all the wonderful awards you've won. Sorry to say we are out of time. Mary Gellarmino, we can't thank you enough for gracing our thank God for Monday Airwaves today. Uh, you've enlightened us. Uh, you very much inspired us. Uh, we want to wish you a continued great rest of the Thanksgiving weekend. 
and certainly a blessed Advent and Christmas season. And just wish you continued joy. Uh, you have graced my life very much. Uh, you've graced St. Francis College and just the world uh, with all of this great work that you've done. So continue joy, happiness, fulfillment as you go into the holidays of 2021 and into 2022 and beyond. Thanks again for joining us today. Thank you, Brother Greg. Many blessings to you. Thank you. Listeners, sorry to say, once again, we're out of time. Greg saying our hope and prayer is that when you wake up on Monday morning, just like Mary Jellarmino does, you'll say, thank God for Monday. Enjoy the rest of this Thanksgiving weekend. We are so grateful for you here on Thank God for Monday. And we look forward to seeing you listening to you next Saturday for another episode of Thank God for Monday.